Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Good morning again. Uh, if you came in a few minutes late, uh, my name is Pastor Josh. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Vertical Church, and this is Vertical Church FX. That's why if you look around, uh, you'll notice there's a good number of kids in the service with, with us, and that's a good thing. That's awesome. Uh, so excited. I've uh, got a couple of fun little things to, to engage them today, so uh, here in a few minutes I'm going to ask for some volunteers, and, and it's just going to be uh, really, really good. And here's, the, here's kind of the line we're trying to work with today. Uh, if you're here today and you don't have kids, like I don't have kids, kids aren't on the horizon, I'm not even thinking about it, I believe that what God is going to say to us through uh, the message today is going to have a tremendous impact in your life. And at the same time, it's going to be such that our kids are going to remain engaged. Okay, so that's kind of the the, where we're. It's not going to be like kids' church. It's also not going to be exactly like, uh, you know, we don't really pontificate if you know what that word means. Most of the kids have no idea. Pastor Josh just cuss. Uh, No. I didn't. Uh, real quick, before we really dive in, I want to say one thing, uh, mainly to uh, the moms and families of, of young children, like infant age. Thank you so much for uh, helping us by moving out of the balcony and onto the floor. That has just been a tremendous uh, help, really. We've been able to, a couple of things we've been able to do. One, we've been able to move our uh, a lot of our production equipment into the balcony, which eliminates all cords, uh, tripping hazards and stuff. That's really cool. But also it's allowed us to open up an actual handicap section in the back where the theater has it uh, laid out already. And so uh, that's been really helpful um, to to make sure that everybody, young and old, uh, walking in just fine, uh, coming in in a wheelchair, everybody gets to uh, enjoy the experience. And so thank you so much. Also to those who, who moved out of their normal seating to make room for kind of a families with infants section on the floor. Thank you as well. I know that sometimes, you know, let's face it, church people get territorial about their seat. Uh, know this one one uh, old lady at church I grew up in. Uh, there was a there was a guest of somebody just you know show up at church for the first time, sat in her seat, and she literally went up and said, "Excuse me, that's my seat." And so thank you that nobody you know nobody has that attitude. We're all just excited to be here together uh, and and uh, enjoy church together. I need three volunteers, twelve and under. Raise your hand, like, I need three people, I only have two hands, okay, I've got some hands, all right, we need some more, in- like, if you are, I want to volunteer, okay, uh, raise your hand, lift it up real high, real- no, not in the back, you- that's a- that hand is way too tall, all right, um, let's go first with uh, Aiden, um, McKenna, and somebody was pointing, uh, his hand's not up, okay, yeah, whoever, Right here, if you're, if you're up for it, man. If not, if you're like, I'm embarrassed, I don't want to go up. You have to talk. Are you all ready to talk? You're going to talk? He's, if he's not, like, he's cool, man. He doesn't have to if he doesn't want to. If he does, it's awesome. All right, one more, a talker. Wait, I know. She's a talker? All right, well, come on. Let's do it. If you're, you, you can bring, if you're nervous, like, you can bring your parent with you, although you may embarrass them. Um, so, all right, I've got. This mic, y'all go ahead and come on over here. You go ahead and come up here. Uh, you maybe stand over here so everybody can see you. All right. 
I'm going to not talk into two mics at the same time. I'm going to ask you uh, just to introduce yourself to everybody. Tell them your name and uh, how old you are. And then we're going to, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions, okay? Is that cool? All right. I'm going to hold the mic, all right? I don't trust you. You, you, you wouldn't give it back to me. All right. Name, how old you are. I think this is Heather's mic. It's not on. Oh, okay. That's my fault. All right, hold on just a second. I see. See, can you look back at it? Can you see what I see? Isn't it odd? Because you can't really see them, can you? You can hear them, but you can't see them. It's real weird. All right, what's your name again? My name is McKenna, and I'm 10 years old. McKenna, 10 years old. Hannah Grace, I'm 5 years old. Hannah Grace. That was too cute. My name is Aiden, and I'm four years old. All right. Um, so we've got McKenna, Hannah Grace, and Aiden. Uh, 11, 12, 10, 9, 10, 5, and 4. Okay. Um, McKenna, do you know your mom pretty good? You, you like your mom? All right. Okay. That's good. That's a good answer. I don't, I don't see your mom in here, so... You can be honest with us. I do see your dad, so you want me to be careful, okay? Um, so you think you know your mom pretty good, right? What, if you could get your mom anything, anything, money is no object, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have all the money in the world. If you could get her anything, the thing that she has most wanted in her life, what would you get her? Probably another dog. Another dog. Does she like the dog you have? What's your dog's name? Kylie. Kylie. Who takes care of the dog? My mom. She, she feeds the dog, takes the dog out. And she wants another one. She wants another one. She sends pictures to my dad and says, please. <laughs> what kind of dog? A border collies or lap mix. Okay. Do you, what's your dog now? What border kind? collie. And you, she wants another border collie. So she just sends these random pictures to your dad with the word, please. What, if, what, if, what, what would be her reaction if your dad just showed up with a dog at the house? She'd be very happy. Very happy, very excited. That's the thing she wants most. Okay, cool. That's all right. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, Hannah Grace. All right. Do, do you all eat out often uh, in restaurants as a family? Do you go out to eat uh, fast food, sit down? Do you do that a lot? Okay. Um, do you know? Do you know what your dad's favorite restaurant would be? No. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite restaurant? If you could eat anywhere. Um, Fazoli's. Fazoli's. You like spaghetti? Do you think that's your parents' favorite restaurant? You do. I bet so. I bet they love Fazoli's. What do you order when you go to Fazoli's? What do you get to eat? Um, white noodles. White noodles? Yum. That sounds good. What, what, do you know what your parents eat? Um, Spaghetti? Lasagna? Lasagna. Lasagna. What, at home, what's your favorite meal? What's your favorite food to eat of everything? Chicken. 
chicken, not chicken nuggets, just regular chicken. Okay, do you know what your dad's favorite food is? No. Do you think it's chicken? You think it's chicken? I bet it's chicken. I bet if we got him up here and said, hey, what's your favorite food? He'd say chicken. You think so? Right on. All right, Aiden, come over here so they can see you. Um, I know both of your parents, you right? Yeah. Um, in your, in your house, who's the, who's the, if there was a boss, who's in charge of Aiden's house? My mom and dad. If you had to pick one. My mom. Your mom, yeah, that's why we, yeah. Why, why do you say your mom? Because I love her. <laughs> Okay, um, when, when your mom wakes up in the morning, um, what, uh, is she a morning person or a, or a night person? Do you know what I mean when I say that? That's, that's, a, weird, that's, that's, a, that's a weird question. <laughs> do you, do you, does your mom like mornings better or nights better? I don't, I, I don't know really, no. Okay, okay. Um, that, what, what about, what's, your, what's your dad's favorite? Does your dad like sports? Yeah. Yeah, what's his favorite sport? All of them. All of them? Yeah, of all of them, what would he watch most? Usually. <laughs> He's like, I can't hear <laughs> Hockey. Hockey? What's his favorite? What's your favorite team? Do you have a favorite team? Yeah, it seems like my dad's. You like your dad's team? All right, all right, cool. Give it up for him, everybody. Y'all can go back and sit down. Thank you so much. We're, uh, we're talking today, um, some, like there was a collective sigh that I heard just be released over here. Um, we're in a series called Me, Myself, and I, and we are um, looking at the, the ancient letter of Ephesians. And we've been working on this since June. And uh, we're now in chapter 5. And I, wanna, I just want to kind of go over three ideas. And you're going to see how this fits here in just a second. Um, three ideas from the first 20 verses of chapter 5. And I'm, I'm going to start off just by reading uh, verse 1 and then share with you the first idea. Um, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. The first idea that we come across in this passage is this. Children imitate their parents. Children imitate their parents. What's your favorite food? Chicken. What do you think your dad's favorite food is? Chicken. You know, what's your favorite team? Whatever my dad's favorite team is. What, what would your mom most like? A dog. Children, if, if, you've, if you're a parent, you know this instinctively. They're always watching. <laughs> you know what I mean? Their eyes are always on you. And when you, you know, you're never more aware of this reality than dad or mom when you're doing something and you get frustrated. And let's say a word comes out of your mouth that you did not intend on saying in the presence of your children. And you say this, and then the next thing you know, you look at your four-year-old, and they repeat it back to you. 
If you've never had that happen to you, then I doubt the validity of your parenthood. I have seen this happen with my just over one-year-old already. I will not tell you what I said, nor will I tell you what she said. Let's just take it between friends. Families have a dynamic about them, a way that relationships work. We have boundaries in our families. In other words, every family has rules. Rules that guide and dictate how you act, how you interact, how you relate with each other in the family. Every family has this. Sometimes they're very clear and sometimes they're just unspoken and you just pick up on them. But kids are always watching and they pick up on the rules. Even if the rules are not the actual rules, they understand. So they're watching everything you say, everything you do, every plate you throw across the kitchen, they're watching. And they're, they're keeping track of it because they've got to define the rules. And yet, when they break the rules, you, as a parent, notice uh, a lot. Like, like you, it's very noticeable. Let me give you an example of kind of what I'm talking about. So, so you're not thinking like these harsh, you know, rules, pick up your room, clean it up, you know, eat all your food. Not that. I'm not even necessarily even talking about that. Let's say your kid spends the night at a house. Maybe you've done this. Let's say when you were a kid, you spent the night at your house, at a friend's house, right? And you come back and you're sitting at the dinner table and maybe your kid or you, you start eating your food in a different kind of way. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're not keeping your mouth closed. Maybe you're talking while you're eating. I don't know. But, but as a parent, you just, you just like, you're looking at them. What are you doing? What? Where did, this ha- where did this come from? And so you ask, what are you doing? Why are you eating? You know, you know better than that. We don't do that. What, what, what's going on? And the response is, well, that's what they do at the Robinson's house. Have you ever experienced that? Like, what do you, why, why did you say that? Well, they say that at the Robinson's house. And every parent knows the next line in the conversation, right? Well, we don't, what, what, what is it? We don't. We don't do that here. <laughs> Why do we say that? What does that mean? There, there are rules and boundaries, sometimes spoken, sometimes everybody knows the rules, and sometimes they're just unspoken, unknown. We don't do that here. At the butcher house, we don't eat our food that way. We use a fork, not our hands. You know, we eat spaghetti with a fork and a spoon and a knife, not clump it up and shove it in your mouth. Like, we don't do that here. I don't, I, don't, I don't care what Tommy's parents let them do. I'm not Tommy's parents and Tommy isn't my kid. You are, so you're going to do it this way. I don't know what's wrong with them. <laughs> I don't know why they do it that way. I, I don't know why they use those words, but we don't use those words in our family. Well, well, are we better than Tommy's family? No, we're not better than them. We're actually just like, matter of fact, when dad gets working in the garage, he says some of those words. <laughs> Especially when he hits his thumb, the hammer. He says some of that. But, but we don't do that in our 
family. That's Paul's point. Right here in verse 1, that is Paul's point. He says, he says, we are spiritually connected to a family because we are dearly loved children. God is our father. So follow our father's example as dearly loved children. We are connected in God's family and just like every other family, there are certain boundaries. There are certain ways of acting, ways that we conduct ourselves in God's family. Why? Because we are children, and children imitate their parents. So Paul says, that's all he says. He says, look, watch what God does, because he's your father, and children imitate their parents. So let's imitate God. And don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by the fact that we're reading uh, a Bible verse because, because a lot of times we approach uh, Scripture thinking that, that these cities and communities that we're reading about were, you know, uh, nice, safe, sane places. This is not Little House on the Prairie, okay? This is not Leave it to Beaver. I just totally lost half the crowd. Like, what are you talking about? I've never seen, the, what are those shows? This is not, you know, uh, white picket fences and everybody's just nice and neighborly. And how you doing? I'm doing good. Would you like to come in for some sweet tea? I sure would. No, this is Ephesus. Every option that is available to us, and I won't go into details. So you don't have to cover your kids' ears. Everything that is available to us was available to them. Now, sure, they didn't have iPhones that they could pull it up on and surf the, 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 the internet wirelessly without it. They couldn't do that. But every option to distract them, to pull them away from God that is available to us was available to them. And Paul says, children imitate their parents. So we, as God's children, ought to imitate him. Number two, the second thought that I see even in this first, uh, these first few words of verse 1. Love paves the way for lifestyle. Love paves the way for lifestyle. A lot of people, when they approach Christianity, they assume that Christianity is a religion like every other religion. And so the rules that we have to live by are, are our lifestyle. And a lot of times we start there. We begin our experience as a Christian by trying to take on a certain lifestyle. But love paves the way for lifestyle. Christianity begins with love. Look at verse 1 again. He says, follow God's example. There's the lifestyle. Follow God's lifestyle. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children. Do what God does. Have your lifestyle characterized by God as dearly loved children, because you are loved by God. Not to earn his love. It's not, it's not follow God's example, therefore, and you will be his children. Not follow God's example and you'll earn his love. No, no, no. He says follow his example because you're dearly loved children. God has already loved you. See, Christianity is not do these things and earn God's favor. Do these things and earn God's blessing. 
here's your spiritual checklist. Get everything right. Pray, read your Bible, go to church, uh, you know, uh, serve the community, feed the homeless, uh, you know, whatever else you can think of, and, and be a good person, and God will love you and save you. That's not Christianity. That's, that's any other uh, works-based, behavior-based religion. Christianity is, you're God's loved children. You are God's children. His love has, has come into your life and it has transformed and changed you. You were not his children, now you are. Love paves the way for lifestyle. Love comes first. It is the way that we live out the grace of God. Let me ask you a few questions about the Ephesian church. And, and I don't want these to be rhetorical questions. I actually want you to answer out loud, uh, especially if you've been here for a while and you're familiar with the church at Ephesus. Number one, was their lifestyle good? Was their lifestyle good? Yes or no? Everybody's like, I'm afraid to answer. Oh, no, yes. No, it wasn't. How do you know it wasn't? Because Paul wrote this letter. Let's face it, if their lifestyle was good, Paul would have said, uh, hey, y'all, just, uh, just checking in. Y'all are doing great. Have a good day. You know, that's all he would have said. Hey, God loves you. Awesome. You're so good. See you next week. But he doesn't. He spends six chapters. He spends three chapters talking about how great God's love is because love paves the way for lifestyle. And now in the last three chapters, he's going to talk about lifestyle. Because their lifestyle was not good. Did, number two, did their lifestyle matter? Did it matter? Yes or no? No, it didn't. It's all grace. We're sinking in an ocean of grace. Pastor Josh, it doesn't matter how we live. God is just so good. He loves everybody. Yes, it mattered. That's why he wrote the, the, the letter. It absolutely mattered because lifestyle matters to God. Why does lifestyle matter to God? Because children imitate their parents. And God wants us to imitate our father. Number four, could their lifestyle improve? Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Of course it could improve. There was room for growth. In the Ephesian church. Number five, or number four, were they greatly loved by God? That's, that's better than yes. It's absolutely yes. Incredibly loved by God. Even though their lifestyle was not good. They were already still loved by God. Last question. Could they be loved by God any more than they were right then. No. They were fully, completely, totally loved. And if you don't get that, if you don't see that, then the, if you don't see that love paves the way for lifestyle, what happens in your life is you try this Christian way and it's the narrow way and it's hard and you get all of these rules and boundaries and regulations and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller until eventually you just give up. Just give up because it's just, nobody can live this way. I'm trying the lifestyle first to earn the love and no, the road is just too 
small to walk on. Or if you don't give up, you get depressed and weary because you're trying to do it all on your, on your own, all working by yourself. And the road is so small, you have no friends because, because it's all about earning his love and approval when lifestyle paves the way for love. But as Paul said, love paves the way for lifestyle. Why do we have a, uh, why, why does Paul talk about the way we live? Because we are children of God and children imitate their parents. He goes on and talk about this in verse 2. Look what he says. Uh, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, verse 2, and walk in the way of love. We said a couple weeks ago, what you're walking in is what you're going to walk out. What you're walking in, you're going to eventually walk out. And Paul says, I want you to walk in the reality that you are dearly loved children. And when you walk in his love, you'll walk out his love. You'll walk in the way of love. You see, what you walked into this room with, unless God transforms and changes your your heart and life, you're going to walk out. If you walked in a bunch of hurt, you're going to walk out and hurt a lot of people. If you're walking in anger, you're going to walk out and and express that anger probably on the people closest to you. If you're walking in thinking, I'm just a sinner, I'm, I'm no good, you're going to walk out a whole boatload of sin. But if you're walking in, I am dearly loved by God. He could not love me anymore, and he will never love me any less. All of a sudden, the road that seemed real narrow all of a sudden gets really, really wide. And you realize there's a lot of freedom here. Because, because since, since I am assured that God's love will never be pulled away from me, I can live free. I can, I can just keep lapping around in the love of God. That's what he says. He's like, he says, see the love of God. I want you to walk around in that. I want you to walk with that being your reality. That being your predisposition of God's attitude towards you. That you are dearly loved children. So follow his example. Look what he says. He says this in verse 2. The rest of verse 2. Start it back in verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us. And gave himself up for us. And then look at this. The end of this verse. As a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I want to key in just for for a few minutes on that phrase. Fragrant offering. Back in Exodus chapter 30. I know this is kind of jumping from Ephesians to Exodus you might feel like you got whiplash all of a sudden. But, but, but in Exodus chapter 30, I want to kind of tell you where this phrase, fragrant offering, comes from. Exodus chapter 30, God is telling Moses about the Old Testament uh, temple, uh, the, 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 the place God would meet with his people. And he gives him all of these guidelines of how to construct it. There's an outer court, and then inside of that, there's, a, there's an inner court. And then inside of that, there's a tent of, of meeting. And then there is this place 
that only the, the high priest one time, once a year, could enter in called the Holy of Holies. And what separated the Holy of Holies from everything else was this huge veil. It was, it was the, the holiness, the, the very presence of God uh, lived in the Holy of Holies, in this temple that, that God is instructing Moses to construct. His very presence is there, and right on the other side of that, people would be, but they could not cross that boundary. It's this picture of a holy God and an unholy people and the pathway to a Savior. And, and, and in the veil, right in front of the veil, there was a table. It was called the Altar of Incense. Exodus chapter 30 lays all of this out, how it looks and how it's constructed. But on that table, there is a, there is a blend of spices and, and fragrant um, kind of uh, material that has been ground and blended up to be burned. It is what it says in Exodus chapter 30, verse 34. Then the Lord said to Moses, take fragrant spices, gum resin, uh, I'm not good at these names, so we're just going to call it uh, Onitsha and Galbanum. I have no idea. Kids, if you know how to say that, that's awesome. Uh, congratulations. And pure frankincense, all in equal amounts. And make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. Grind some of it to powder and place it in front of the Ark of the Covenant of the Law in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. This is a special blend of, of, of spices. Verse 37, do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy to the Lord. Whoever makes incense like it to enjoy its fragrance must be cut off from their people. So, so just outside of this, of this veil that separated the Holy of Holies from, from everything else, there's this altar. And on this altar, there's this incense continually burning. This rare, special aroma continually rising up to God, reminding everyone, this is where we meet with God. Nowhere else. Not in our home, not on the street corner, here. So this is the only place to burn these spices. So the aroma reminds us, God is near. He will meet with us. And when, we, when he meets with us in this special aroma, God, this is our best attempt to worship you, to, to, to be pleasing to you. Meet with us here. When Jesus is, 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 is hanging on the cross and he dies, Scripture tells us that the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from, from everything else was torn from top to bottom. That the, the, the spices were still burning. They're burning every day. Old temple, new temple, didn't matter. The spices are burning. Even on the day Jesus dies, this fragrant aroma is going up to God. And the veil is ripped in two. It's, it's, it's this idea, that the imagery that happens is, is that 
is that God says, I want to thank you for the fragrant spices. I want to thank you for the blend. I want to thank you for the aroma. But this, my son, this is the best fragrance ever. This is what, this is the imagery that Paul's giving us at the end of verse 2. That when Jesus offers himself up, he was a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God is saying, that is the best fragrant offering ever. And what Paul wants us to know is when we walk in love, God is reminded of the day Jesus offered himself up for us. When you and I walk in the love of God, God's going, that reminds me of when Jesus offered a fragrant offering. I need three more volunteers. Three more kids. All right, Kyle, come on. Come on. Uh, Bell and I don't see any other hands, but I need one more hand. One more hand. Carl, come on, dude. All right. I've got a test I need y'all to do for me, okay? We're talking about, you know, fragrant spices, uh, aromas, uh, fragrant offerings, and I have no idea what's in each of these as far as particularities, all right? But I want you to, uh, one at a time, just kind of uh, come through here. I'm going to open them up just a bit so you can smell what's in there. All right, Belle, you come here first, all right? All right, take a big whiff of that. You got to bend down and smell it. Smell good? Kind of? Hold on, let me get you. I don't know where that, I put that mic. Kind of good, kind of not. Okay, what's it smell like? Pizza? Okay, that's odd. All right, try this one. Good? Good? Yeah? All right. What about this? Okay. Right. Does it smell good? They, I want them to see your face when you smell that. Not really. No? Okay. Kyle, Kyle, come over here. All right. Turn this way. Turn this way. Smell this. You like it? Yeah, maybe, maybe. All right. What about this one? Good? Take a big whiff, man. Yeah? Okay. What about this one? Big, big breath in. <laughs> you don't like that one? You want, you want to smell it again? Okay. Carl, come over here. All right, buddy. I want you, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go, okay, real deep. Like it? Yeah, he likes it. I'm like, all right. What about this one? Good? All right, this is the one I want you to breathe in as deeply as you can, okay? Do it again? Do you like it? You do like it. Right on. All right, give him a hand, everybody. Like, what in the world are we doing? Y'all can go sit back down. Thank y'all so much. Like, what are you even doing, Pastor Josh? Here, here's what I want us to understand. Different things smell different ways. I mean, it's not complicated. There are some smells that are really good and some smells that are not so good. You know what one of the worst smells I've ever smelled in my life? Going to the dump. Have you ever been to the dump? 
you can't get that smell off your shoes. It goes with you all day long. And it is just horrible. Where are we going, Pastor Josh? You've totally lost us all. When Jesus dies, when his, when his cross is, is dug into the ground in a place called Golgotha, most scholars tell us that that is actually Jerusalem's trash dump. The refuse and waste of an entire city is gathered in this place. It is a garbage pile. The aroma arising from a garbage pile, if you've ever been to the dump, you know what it smells like. And on the day Jesus gave his life, God leans over the portal of heaven and goes, smells good. Arising from the refuse and waste of humanity, God, that smells good. God, God grabs a couple of angels and says, hey, you got to come catch a whiff of this. But God, it's a trash dump. It's the waste of humanity. It's the garbage of life. No, 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 no. My son is offering a fragrant offering. I want you to smell this. I've never smelled anything so pure, so much love. That says God is near. That says, I give you my very best from a garbage pile. You and I live in trashy times. Can we just admit that? Like, like some of us, we live in more trash than others. Some of us, the trash is where we work. Some of us, the trash is, is where we go to school. Some of us, the trash is where we go to the gym. But, but we live amongst a lot of garbage, and in this passage, it's like God is saying, in trashy places, in places where there's a lot of garbage, I just want my people to smell good. I just want you to smell good. And when we get that, that's, that's idea number three. God wants me and you to smell good. Wherever we go, he just wants us to smell good. When we understand that, the rest, of the, the, the rest of the passage makes perfect sense. Look what he says. Let's just go through this real quickly. Verse 3, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. In other words, in conduct, when you're conducting yourself in trashy places, smell good. Just smell good. Babies smell good most of the time. There are sometimes they do not smell good. Anyway, in Jesus, you and I, we are sons and daughters of God. Paul says, when you, when you go to a place, leave it smelling better. Just leave it smelling better. Make people go, you smell that? It smells good. We, we've been living amongst all this garbage for so long. We just kind of got used to the garbage smell, but that smells pretty good. What is that? That's a... Smells good. Number, verse 4, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. In other words, when you get through talking, when you leave a conversation, leave the conversation smelling better. They just left, and it still smells good. Like the Most of my conversations don't end that way, but that's, that's nice. Verse 5, kind of a parenthetical uh, thought here. For, for this, you can be sure. 
No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. In other words, if you think it doesn't matter how you smell, you're wrong. It matters how you smell. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. It's not God's way of saying, never go into the, into the trashy places. He's saying that, that we don't do that in our house. We smell different. We smell different in our house. We don't smell that way. We smell different. When you leave a place, leave it smelling better. Look at verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are, you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Go into the darkness and leave the darkness smelling good. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. There's our motivation. God, you have loved us. We are your dearly loved children. Children imitate their parents. God, we just want to live pleasing to you. We want to smell good like Jesus did. We want to smell like Jesus. Verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Doesn't mean we're like, we're prison wardens. No, not at all. Just, just when you enter into a room... People ought to go, it smells different. You don't smell like everybody else. You smell really good. Verse 12, it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is is, why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Smell good while you can. You don't have an eternity to smell good, so smell good while you can. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you leave a place, leave it smelling better. When you you leave the darkness, when you enter into the darkness, make the darkness go, that smells different. That's not the normal smell. And don't make the mistake that you have an eternity to smell good. Take advantage of the time you have. So smell good while you can. And remember, it begins with love. Love paves the way for lifestyle. Because Jesus gave his life as a fragrant offering, we can become dearly loved children of God. And children imitate their parents. Let me pray for you this morning. God, we come together uh, in this moment to uh, just, just recognize that we are, in fact, your dearly loved children. We have been impacted and encountered by the love of God. As your children, we want to imitate you. We want to follow your example. Jesus, our our big brother, your example was a fragrant offering. The most fragrant offering of all time. The very best. So God, 
as we live our own lives. Help us to smell good. When we walk around in love as we conduct ourselves in the world around us, help us smell good. Let us be a fragrant offering. And the darkness that is around us, those who are living in the the refuse and waste of the world, when we come in contact with them, because we're walking in love, notice a difference in our lives. It smells good. Something smells different. You know, today, maybe you're here You say, Pastor Josh, I, I don't know anything you're talking about. I'm not a child of God, actually. I, I'm curious. I have my questions. I came here today because I'm actually interested. I kind of seeking something beyond this existence, this level, this world, this me. Friend, I understand you have your questions and your doubts and your thoughts. And the really cool thing is, God's not intimidated by any of that. You can have your questions, you can have your doubts and still experience the love of the Father. Because His love isn't determined by your actions, your questions, or your doubts. He is the cause of His own love. Scripture tells us that it is not because of our actions that God loves us, but it's because of God's love that God loves us. God loved first. And I just want to invite you to experience that love. To encounter that love today. Say, Pastor Josh, it's been a while since I've been in church. Looking for a place and kind of just stumbled in here, but that makes so much sense. I've been trying to put the lifestyle first to earn the love rather than letting love pave the way for lifestyle. I just want to pray for you. You know, a relationship with God has no formula for how it begins and how it's maintained. There's no right or wrong way to enter into a relationship with Him. It's not a set list of words that you have to repeat. It's merely the acknowledgement that He is the Lord. that Jesus was a fragrant offering on your behalf offering his very best making it possible that you and I could be children of God if you'd like to respond to that today you can pray the words that I pray you can make up your own you can reach out to him with your heart he'll respond to you So if that's you, would you just, uh, in your own way or in my words, just pray, Father, I recognize that I am far from you. I know I can't save myself. I know that my lifestyle will never earn 
love. Today, God, I open myself up to experience your love first. Would you fill my life and my heart with that, with your love? I believe in you, Jesus. I may have my questions. I may have my doubts. In my unbelief, would you still help me? In my uncertainty, would you still pour your love into my life? And God, I'm going to watch you to see how I should act. I'm going to watch what you do. Because children, children imitate their parents. Thank you, Jesus, for this word. Thank you for the people gathered in here together. For our children, God, may, may, we, may we set forth good examples for them so that they will have an example to the Father. And one day, God, may you use us, it hasn't happened already, to walk with them show them the way of love. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, You can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.